Innes Forgettance is a folk fantasy podcast set in an alternate Appalachia and faraway Celtic fort. You can help support me and this story by sharing it with your friends, posting on social media, or by clicking the link in the description to buy me a coffee. I'm glad you joined me this week, and stay safe out there in the woods. Previously on the Innis Forgettance, Brana tried to honor her promise to Grandmother and attend the Harvest Festival, despite the agony it caused her. But before she can approach, Morna found her, and they instead watched the festivities from a distance. Brana worried that Grandmother would be angry with her for not appearing, but Morna reassured her that she would vouch for her. Gradually, Brana found herself at ease in the priestess's company. Then, Kerba arrived, throwing Brana into an inner wrestling match between fear and familiarity. By the end of the evening, however, Brana cannot deny that of all the men she could share company with, Kerba makes her feel safest. Elga and Brana in the past. The night sky warmed with the orange of the rising sun. Dying fires hissed like final breaths. The rock boundary was emptied now of people, littered with spilled tayberries and chewed cucumber nubs, evidence of the joyous indulgence of the first fruits. As she sat circle-wise with Abin the locksmith, Kara the soul shepherd, and Turla the tribal king, Elga's own chest fired in tandem with the flames. Disobeyed, she said, twisting the ornate bronze cuff around her wrist. She's never disobeyed me. She's just afraid, said Kara. Poor girl. Woman, corrected Elga, nigh on eighteen. In her body, Elga, yes, a woman, continued Kara. But her body grows without her permission. In her spirit, her true self is someone altogether different than any of us can understand. And the poor thing is terrified. Perhaps we can make another way. Kara looked at her with those teardrop-shaped blue eyes, threads of silver just beginning to show in her silt-dark hair. Only a few years older than Aoife would have been now. She could live in the lodge, said Abin. Elga shook her head vehemently. No, 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 not good enough. She took a breath to steady her growing impatience. Neither you nor Kara have children, 
Aben, you don't understand. I need to know someone is committed to her forever. Kara tilted her head toward the locksmith. Aben, at least she's familiar with you. Aben cleared his throat, clasping both hands behind his back. I have <clears throat> someone I'm pursuing. Elga looked away to hide her relief. Aben was a good man with a short, explosive temper. She could never give Brana to Aben, and could never tell them why. We'll find someone for her, Kara said. Someone like Kerpa? Every head snapped up to look at the newcomer. The Yerdat priestess stood, leaning on her walking stick, brown hair cascading in waves under her tribal hood, which was the color of evergreen needles. Aben stood. You shouldn't be here. Return to your fort. The time for shared space is done. Hmm, the time for shared space is upon us, Morna said, sizing up the younger man with his sinewy arms and clean-shaven jaw. I've come to speak with your storykeeper and your king. Our tribes have no life. No future on this tiny island if we don't unite. Unite, Aben scoffed. Where was this desire to unite when your tribesmen killed Aoife and Burren? Stop! Elga jumped to her feet. Tendons in her ankles barked. Never mention their deaths in my presence again, Aben. You were but a child when it happened. Silence yourself. Morna turned a pained gaze on Elga, then to the Innes king. My tribesmen, your people speak of fear as though he were my personal dog, sent sniffing on a trail to hunt and kill. You forget I loved Aoife, and fear was out of his mind. Terrified of your people and their otherworldly abilities, you must understand what it is like to be us, sharing an island with you. Our swords and spears don't stand a chance against some of— And yet, interrupted Turla, it was one of your men spilled our blood. Morna blinked and lowered her head. Turla's words hung like heavy, dark clouds. Elga closed her eyes and thought, Spilled their blood, thus silencing their giftings forever. The thought filled her with rage. She hugged herself to stay the trembling in her arms, to quell the urge to tighten her grip around Morna's neck. She didn't know. Elga silently reminded herself. None of the Yerdot knew the layered tragedy fear visited upon us when he killed them. It was another secret she'd kept, that all Innis kept from any outsiders. As powerful as her people were, the one act that could steal that power was murder. A murdered Innis gift would be lost forever. The only acceptable death was a natural one, or, in rare cases, 
the drinking of soul frost, the poison to summon a person's peaceful passing. I am ashamed, Morna said, ashamed to share the same tribe with him. You must understand, most of us are ashamed of him. We mourned what he did. Murder. Aben clenched his fists. Why can't you say it? Again, I beg, as I have humbly begged for twenty-four years. Fear doesn't represent who we truly are. We, Yerdat, are more than his action. I am Aoife's friend, Kerba's mother. My son needs a wife. Brana needs a husband. We all know not just any man will do. The solution I propose will not only provide each with a mate, but our tribes with an avenue for true peace. Turla's black eyes remained hard, but Elga had served alongside him for twenty years and could read him better than Mara could read the stars in the sky. Something in his posture changed. He was considering. But Aben broke the silence. Storykeeper? King. The muscles in his throat were tense like the thick roots of a tree. Aoife and Burren's deaths can never, never be rectified. Can you really be giving this a chance? Elga tightened her lips, tensed every muscle to maintain her stoic expression and posture. But her own desperation to secure the safety of Brana, her only family, and the last in their line, settled so heavy she struggled to breathe. Morna cracked. Her hands flew to her face and she released one explosive sob. For a moment, she stayed that way, hands covering her features, shoulders rising rhythmically. Then she slowly moved her hands back to her sides, sober once again. She whispered, Reunion with you, and peace between tribes, is all I've ever wanted. Still with his back to the priestess, Turla turned to Elga giving the slightest nod. Standing, Elga approached Morna, removed from her wrist the bronze bracelet engraved with endless swirls, and gave it to her daughter's soul friend. You, you have my word. By the next new moon, I will give you a decision. Morna's dark eyes glinted, Further marriage? Further hand-fasten, Elga clarified, to take place the first of spring. Morna nodded. May it be so? Wind whipped Brana's waist-length curls as she ran across Inniskelig, basking in wild freedom. The alder tree bounced in her vision as she ran, and she beamed, joyous to visit the old tree who had sheltered her under the harvest festival moon five days before. 
She craved the alder's shelter again. All of Fort had heard of Grandmother's meeting with Morna, of Kerba's pursuit of the storykeeper's granddaughter. He had not visited, but small trinkets had been delivered by messengers to her hut every few days. A copper bracelet, a leather ankle cuff, and her dearest treasure, a pottery vase holding a new little plant that bloomed with petals tiny, white, and pure. Once word of his gifts had spread, Brana felt she couldn't go anywhere without all eyes following her. Even the children had begun asking questions. Will you hold his hand before hand fasting? Is he handsome? Does the sight of him turn your heart into a butterfly? Will you have babies like my mom and dad? The children asked so delicately, the light of future dreams gleaming, but the questions hit her like stones. She plastered a smile and fumbled answers even as her veins thrummed with anxious blood. Never had she felt so apart from her dear little friends, so separate, so foreign, even to herself. The feeling was murky as ocean depths at nightfall, splitting apart who she once was and who she was becoming, like lightning splitting a tree in two. She ran every day to visit the alder, her only unchanging comfort. No matter what, I still have you all, she said from her resting place under its boughs. The alder waved its branches to answer, yes, and a healing pink glow trickled from Brana's fingertips. For hours she lay on the ground with her head against the base of the trunk. When the summer sun crested and blinded her, a sudden windfall of emotion blustered, and she covered her face to catch her tears. I do it for grandmother, Alder, but... Kerba will care for me, too. He was such a kind friend, but I am so afraid. Tell me, Alder. Tell me it will be okay. You can do anything as long as you don't forget who you are. The Alder whispered in her heart. Brani, is that you? Brana scrambled to her feet. Heat coursed over her skin, already hot with summer. Little pearls of sweat trickled down her forehead. Yes, yes, it's me. He jogged until he met her under the alder. I thought I heard you talking to someone. The alder, I suppose. No, no, just myself. She cast a sheepish smile. The alder's branches shivered. A lie. Gentle Brana, it whispered, but why? She didn't know. Kerba knew of her gift. Why didn't she trust him to experience it with her now? She couldn't answer, and didn't answer the elder. He was shirtless in the summer sun, beads of sweat trickling down his chest and shoulders. She blinked tucked salt-sticky strands of hair behind her ear and looked at the tree rather than the young man before her. 
I know we've still more than a week before Elga must answer my mother, he said, but may I spend time with you? I think so. Sunlight mingled with wind, pinging through alder leaves and casting wiggling shadows across Kerba's face that made him look like a hundred different Kerbas. Come with me then, I have something to show you. Grass surrounded the Yerdet fort, lush and thick and waving in the breeze like the fluffy tufts of a baby's head. The wind frolicked, filly-like, lifting Brana's own strands playfully about her face. She smiled and smeared them away and chased after Kerba, who jogged ahead and beckoned her to jump over a rock wall. She didn't leap it gracefully like he did. Instead, she was all knees and elbows, scrabbling over its bulk. But when she met the other side, she jumped down and immediately fell to her knees in awe at the vine sprouting at its base. One of a kind, eh? Kerba's eyes twinkled. The vine wove in and out of the rocks, curling and climbing with its thick, fuzzy trunk and unsettlingly delicate five-petaled blossoms, yellow like burning stars, with a protruding stamen black as coal. I've never, never seen a one like it, Brana breathed. There's none near the Innis grounds. None at all. Kerba smiled wide with pride at showing her something altogether new. <laughs> Bloom season has barely begun. You just wait till it's at its peak. All those yellow-black blooms like vine-grown hornets. Has anyone given it a name? Kerba shook his head. Brana pursed her lips. Kerba's thumb drew up, touching them warmly. You do that when you think, I still remember. Draw your lips together until they look like the top of a bell pepper. Brana scrambled backward, hand-foot, hand-foot, like a skittish crab. Kerba smiled and dipped his head, and the ruddy curls that framed his face made her heart skip. All this is new for you, huh? Yes, she resumed normal posture. I, I, did your mother, or maybe grandmother, someone, tell you I keep to the company of young ones? No one knows, we, I can't explain why. No one had to tell me, Bronny, he whispered. Much has changed and been forgotten in all these years. But your spirit hasn't. I've not forgot you. The way he eyed her distressed her. It was the way Alice's father eyed her mother when he thought no one watched them by the hearth, right before he put his hands on the swell of her hips, no one had looked at Brana like that, ever. She wasn't sure she ever wanted anyone to. For grandmother, she thought. For grandmother, she forced herself to hold his gaze until she could no longer bear it. Finally, she forfeited, studying instead the flower. I have another gift for you. Another? Her head snapped up in shock and embarrassment, He'd given her so many gifts, and she'd not reciprocated with a single thing. But he reached into the sack over his shoulder, rummaged and extended his hands to her, closed like a clamshell, 
When he opened them, she was greeted by a gleaming copper amulet carved with circular swirls, hanging from intricately braided leather the color of whitest sands. She gently took it from him, letting sunlight refract from its perfect surface, and she gasped at its beauty. Kerba, thank you. She held it transfixed. May I put it on you? She nodded, turning and lifting her hair off of her neck, stealing her body not to wince away when his calloused hands grazed her shoulders. The amulet was beautiful, a work of the finest artisan, yet the look of it hanging down to the cleft between her breasts filled her with a strange sense of mourning she couldn't understand. All she knew was, she had never worn a necklace before, never worn jewelry. It fits you perfectly, Kerba said. It did, in a sense, and it didn't. Not a bit. Kerba's thumb traced her cheek. She jolted and pulled away, flushed and smiled sheepishly. I'm sorry, she said. It doesn't bother me, Brony, he smiled. I'm here because I care for you, not for the wifely affections a man seeks from a woman. Brona's eyes flew wide at the mention of such a thing. She coughed, cleared her throat. You <clears throat> are kind, Kerba. Never have I felt safe in the presence of a man. Come, he extended his hand. Let me take you home. The Innis Forgettance was written, narrated, and produced by me, Leah Noel, with special appearance by David Walker. The original song, Beware the Never Seen, was written, composed, and performed by Georgia musicians Miles Landrum and Lorelei. You can find links to more of their excellent music in the show notes. Sound effects came from the kind folks at freesound.org. You can follow this podcast with behind the scenes and more on Instagram and TikTok at Leah with a pen. to